0: Um, I got up this morning pretty excited about the fact that it's uh, f- the it first week in February, which means it's Communion Sunday, which um, means we uh, do the message a little bit earlier in the service so we can worship in response to the Communion. And so um, I want to invite you to turn to Philippians one twenty seven through chapter two and verse four. And we're in a series on Philippians, and um, and we want to talk about how to live as a citizen of heaven. Now um, we were heading across the Atlantic Ocean preparing to spend Christmas with our kids in North Africa. And I I had had too much coffee. And I have a hard time sleeping on planes anyway, but with that coffee, I I could not sleep. And so it was at least a two-movie flight for me. And I, I, I watched the movie Snowden. And I was fascinated by the movie for one particular reason, and that is what it had to say about citizenship. Now, let me, let me just give you a little bit of a background about this movie. Snowden was hired uh, by the CIA in his mid-20s, a very gifted computer genius. He um, was a hot commodity in the computer world after he, he left the CIA, and he was hired by the NSA to do work in Hawaii as an independent contractor. And he saw some things there that he did not like. He had very strong libertarian political views, and he said, you know, we're, we're spying on people with full cooperation of the telecommunications industry. That's not right. And so he put a chip into his computer and downloaded a bunch of documents. Then he flew to Hong Kong, gathered some uh, journalists in his hotel room, and unloaded all these documents and showed what was going on. And when it hit the newsstands the next couple of days people were just shocked you know hit the the Guardian in the UK first then it hit the Washington Post and people were outraged by what they saw going on the the wiretapping and 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 all, all, all of this stuff so this guy now has got to flee so he goes to Moscow with intent to go to Cuba so that he could ultimately end up in Ecuador that didn't happen because once he gets to Moscow he's detained in Moscow and he is still in Russia and as I was watching this movie I have no interest in discussing the politics of any of this stuff no interest but what what grabbed me in the movie was the statement that he said this is not a direct quote but something to the effect that I am a man without a citizenship I'm a man without a citizenship. I don't know if it was the coffee or, or what it was, but I just paused on that idea. I thought, what would it be like to be a person without a citizenship? You know, every one of us in this room, I'm assuming most of us, if not all of us, have U.S. citizenship. And I would, I would wager that most of us in this room take our citizenship for granted, We have the ability to go all over the place, no problem. We have the ability to have certain laws apply to us that protect us. We have the ability to buy property and have that property protected. We have all sorts of rights that come to us because we are citizens of this country. And I I bet most of us totally take this for granted because it's just what we have. What Paul is going to do in Philippians chapter one is tell us, don't take your citizenship in heaven for granted. Don't take it for granted. Now, the Philippians, to whom he's writing, are people who had a very unique benefit in the ancient world because the Philippians, by virtue of living in that city, were Roman citizens. That was a total game changer for them. That means they could go anywhere they wanted in the Roman Empire. That means laws that protected them were applicable no matter where they were in the Roman Empire. It was a complete game changer for these these folks. And Paul, in essence, is going to tell the Philippians, don't take your citizenship in heaven for granted. They didn't take their, their, their Roman citizenship for granted, but they were saying, don't take your citizenship in heaven for granted. Now, Paul is going to use two verses in Philippians on citizenship, 127, where he says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I'll show you why that's a citizenship verse in a second. And then Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't take that for granted. We were um, in North Africa for Christmas, and we decided that we would do something fun with our son and his family, so we checked into a hotel in North Africa, beautiful hotel. And when my son handed his passport to the hotel clerk, the hotel clerk said, this is the best passport to have in the world. Not something you think you'd hear in the Middle East, right? Best passport in the world. My son, who's very engaging with people, says, well, why, why, why do you say that? Because you can go anywhere, anywhere in the world. I can't go, I can't go anywhere in the world. I am limited with my passport. You can go anywhere in the world with your passport. And it just struck me, having seen the Snowden movie, it just struck me. I take that for granted. And Paul's going to tell us, don't take your citizenship in heaven for granted. So what I want to do is I want to I show you what your citizenship in heaven is. And I want to show you three things that citizens of heaven regularly do to prize and savor and treasure their citizenship. Okay, so we begin with the command. The command is live intentionally as a citizen of heaven. Here's the command. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, you're, I you're thinking, how is that a citizenship verse? Where is citizenship in there? Well, the verb manner of life be worthy of Is a verb in the Greek language which means to live as a citizen of a city that Greek word is the word from which which we got our word politics except it's not a noun politics it's a verb which means to live as a citizen of a particular country so it means walk worthy of your position in your city most ancient principalities were cities the city of Athens the city of Sparta, the city of Rome. Live worthy of your position in the city. Live robustly as a citizen of your state. So when Paul says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, he's saying, be a good citizen. Be a good citizen of a place. Now let's pause and think about citizenship for a moment. Whenever you become the citizen of a city, Um, you follow the culture of that city. Think about what we just saw, Dallas. If you live in Dallas, what do you do in Dallas? You become aware of the culture. What's the culture in Dallas surrounded by? Dallas Cowboys football. Anybody see last night's awards, you know, where when Dak Prescott was brought up to be the rookie of the year, who do you bring up? He brought up Zeke Elliott. He said, I want to I cut this thing in half. This is part Zeke's. You know, if you, if you live in the city of Dallas, you're conscious of the culture of that city. Same thing is true of the city of London. The city of London is a very arts-oriented city. If you live in the city of London, you're very aware of what's going on in the arts culture in London. Actually, you know, England gets a bad rap about food. But the food in England these days is extraordinary. It's amazing. If you live in London, you're aware of the food culture and the arts culture of London. Let me give you a fictitious uh, city. Uh, This is is the city of Minas Tirith in Gondor in Middle-earth. If you've read the Lord of the Rings trilogy, you know this city. There's the city of Minas Tirith and if you're a citizen of Minas Tirith in Gondor, you know about the culture of that city, how it's found in all these ancient kings. What I'm saying is this, to be a citizen means you're highly aware of the culture of your city. So when Paul is writing the, the book of, um, when, when Paul is in Ephesus in Acts chapter, Acts chapter uh, 19, Do you remember what happens to the economy in Ephesus? It goes down because many people are coming to Christ. They're not buying silver shrines of the goddess Diana. So what do the people in the city of Ephesus do? They go to the theater and what do they shout for two hours? Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. For two hours, two hours they shout that. Why is that? Citizens are always highly conscious of the culture of their city. So here's Paul, here's Ephesus, and here's the temple of Diana, and Paul is messing with their culture. Here's the city of Philippi, the ruins, and Paul is writing to people who've got a particular culture, and they're proud of their Roman citizenship, very proud of it. This is a wonderful asset that allows them to make money and to travel and go wherever they want to. And Paul is saying, guys, you've got a better citizenship. It's a citizenship in heaven. I want you to prize that citizenship. Now, as soon as I say all this, um, we, we, run into, we run into a big problem because we have to ask the, the, the question, okay, so what exactly are we a citizen of in this verse? And he says, we're a citizen of the gospel. What? What? Like, how can you be a citizen of the gospel? Like, what does that even, what does that even mean to be that? So let me back up and explain that. When the gospel is used in the Bible, I said this before, it's like a seed and a tree. The seed of the gospel is the message the distilled message in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-5. Christ died on the cross for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus now extends eternal life to all who believe. That's the distilled essence of the gospel message. That's the seed form of the gospel. You want to come to Christ? It begins with that seed form of the gospel. But the gospel is also often also used like a tree. In other words, the idea is the good news is not just coming to Christ, it's living in Christ. It's not just salvation, it's sanctification. It's not just the benefits of going to heaven, it's living on earth with heavenly power. So when Paul says, walk worthy of your citizenship in the gospel, he's referring to the tree part of the gospel. The idea, live worthy of the results and the benefits of the good news. Let me just give you a few biblical ideas about this. Mark 1.15, Jesus says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, the good news. This is before the cross. So the good news, the good news is something before the cross. What's the good news here? The good news is that if I come to Jesus, the resources of heaven are now open to me. I can live in the kingdom power, in the kingdom presence of God. Jesus continues, and he proclaims and brings the good news of the kingdom. What's that good news? The good news is if I come to the person of Christ, the kingdom power of God is instantly available to me. I have power. I have the presence of God. I have the authority that comes from being in his presence. Let me just pause for a second and and just say what I mean by, by kingdom. God's kingdom is His invisible supernatural presence. Think of it like this. If you were to walk into a swimming pool and begin to walk through the water, would you be conscious of the wetness of the water? Of course you would, particularly if it was cold. You'd be conscious of the wetness of the water. As you're swimming... Or as you're walking through, you know, the water, you're you're conscious of of moving that water as you you walk or as you swim. You're aware of the water. God's invisible kingdom presence is, is real, just as real as that water would be in the swimming pool. God's kingdom presence means that he's right here, right now. He's back at your house. His presence is in the Milky Way galaxy. His presence is in the Andromeda galaxy. His presence is at the farthest reaches of the universe. He is omnipresent. And to live in His kingdom presence means you walk very conscious of His presence with you and His power around you. Now, some of you probably are thinking, what? Like, I don't even... I don't even know what that means. Well, if, if, if that's you, I got great news for you. By virtue of being in Christ, his kingdom power and presence is all around you. You can interact with the, with the king in his kingdom, which means you live in, in an interactive relationship with him. To live as a citizen of the gospel means that you're highly conscious of the fact that I am living in the in, invisible presence of God 24-7 and I have resources there that I can make use of. Now, before I, I give you the specifics, let me quickly apply this. If you are going to live as a citizen of the gospel, a citizen of the good news, you have to be intentional about it. Um, our, our daughter, uh, a couple of years ago, decided that she would have dual citizenship, UK and US, she married uh, our son-in-law, a wonderful son-in-law is born and born and raised in London so she she married him and, and she said I'm, I'm going to become a dual citizen." Well that was a highly intentional thing for her. She had to learn all sorts of things about the Tudors and the Stuarts and the Plantagenets and the kings and and the lines of kings and and how the parliament worked. And all. I think she ended up knowing more about that than our son-in-law who lived there his whole life. It was a very intentional process. And the day that she became a citizen was a, was a big day for her and their family. But it was, it was the result of a very intentional process. If you're going to live as a citizen of the gospel, a citizen of heaven, it has to be a very intentional mindset for you it's not you don't just go into kind of spiritual autopilot you think about this and you respond um with with intentionality um the easiest thing in the world in the year 2017 is to live as if god is not real so what do i mean by by living as if he's real when we were in uh, North Africa, we went to an IMAX theater and we saw Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One. You, you, everybody know who this is in Rogue One? Chirret Imwe. In this movie, he has a mantra that he repeats over and over and over again um, The Force is with me, I'm one with the Force repeats it over and over again. The force is with me, I am one with the force. The force is with me, I'm one with the force. By the end of the movie, you've, you've memorized the line. The force is with me, I'm one with the force.